Welcome to 12 Rows Back. We are here four rounds in. Yeah, Liz is back on Carlton's Premiership hopes. Uh, but we've had a, a really cracking round of footy, and I'm not with my regular co-host, but I've got his younger, better-looking brother here with me as I welcome in Sam to talk about the footy this week. Yeah, good day, Sauce. Good to be uh, back on the 12 Rose podcast. I know uh, the fans were very keen to get me back on after the three-hour draft synopsis that I delivered postseason last year, and you know everybody wanting to get us back. So yeah, good to be back on board. Well, you've certainly said I think back as many times as your brother likes to, so you're filling that quota. <laughs> uh, talking of the young guns, did you did you see the Hornet in action on on Saturday afternoon? Jeez, he's good. I didn't actually, but I had a look at half time. He looked like he was basically best on ground to that stage as well. So. Thought yep. he was a little bit stiff not to get the uh, the rising star tonight, but he'll get, uh, he, he'll get he his. He was. Uh, Richelli was very good again against Essendon, kicking three. Uh, the Hornet will get his time. He's still second in betting uh, in terms of the rising star, but we're not purely a Hornet show. That'll be in about two years as he as he takes the comp by storm. We're here to talk footy. And uh, look, there was we saw all the teams that finished top four play Thursday and Friday night but it was certainly not top four quality football, specifically on the Thursday night as the now still the only winless team in the comp Port Adelaide took on Melbourne. Uh, Geelong and Brisbane played an absolute cracker, which was marred by one umpiring decision, which ironically involved Tom Hawkins, who (laughs) always seems to be in the firing line. And there was a host of other good games. Uh, I want to, I want to start and look full disclosure. You're a Saints man. It's a family thing, which I understand. That's how I ended up at North Melbourne. So completely understand. But premiership bubble, who like who who are legit premiership contenders at this point in? What, four weeks in? Well, it's a bit of a strange one thinking as well that, you know, Melbourne's obviously established themselves as the clear number one seed in the comp as well. But you'd be hard-pressed to say who would be the two, three, and four at the moment. I mean, you'd say probably the Cats because... Um, they're always going to kind of be there and they're reliable, but still a bit sort of shaky, hard to know and judge them during the season. It's sort of, you have to wait till finals to actually have an idea. And then the Lions, even though they lost, you'd say that they'd be up there as well. But same thing with the Cats as well. They don't have the most reliable recent sort of finals record. Um, and then from there, it really does drop away, drop away as well. Like, you know, the Tigers have been looking good on the weekend, but you wouldn't really say that they're back to it just off the back of being the dogs. I mean, Port, obviously, 0-4, they're pretty much done for the year. And the dogs are looking pretty shaky at the moment as well. So, yeah, it's real difficult to have an idea of um, who would actually possibly contend against the Ds. So you, you're you're with me in the sense of the Ds are clear number one contenders? Oh, you, you'd have to say so as well. I mean, the fact that they've had, um, I think, four of their, like, premiership back six missing as well, and they've still been able to win games. I mean, Levy was back on the weekend as well, and he was sort of took a little bit of time to get back into it, but just their system standing up as well. And even like the games that I have seen of them, they don't really look like they've been threatened that much in them. I mean, the Bombers kind of got a bit close, but even in that game, it was still quite, you know, you, you thought that Melbourne were on top for the majority of the game. Yeah, it, I t- it's fascinating. Um, you said the Bombers got close, right? Uh, Melbourne beat Port Adelaide by more than they beat Essendon. Yeah. But it, a, it, it was a completely different style of games. And 
I think, uh, look, Port were almost atrocious, not being able to score a goal till late well, in the Port third quarter. Well, Port went in with this um, very bizarre sort of um, change in terms of how they want to play. Like, a lot of the commentaries come out of the game that they tried to play a very kick-mark game, which isn't really something that they usually do. And you'd have to say that that was um, designed to try and, like, circumnavigate like, Stephen May and, and Lieber in the defence, but just basically meant that the, the Port could not score at all to save themselves. So... Yeah, it was a uh, shocking game on Thursday night to, as a spec, like as a neutral fan, and like you know, the AFL would have been penciling in as that as one of the uh, marquee games of um, the start of the season as well. Yeah, it was, and it sort of, in some ways, on the scoreboard, it seemed to work, but then it just didn't because you felt the whole time like Melbourne were in control. But what I think is Melbourne's strength and. Uh, they're, they're clear number ones at the moment. I'm feeling very happy. I've picked them to go back to back at this point. But uh, against Essendon, it was a bit more free-flowing, a bit more open, and they kicked 100 points. Here, Port Adelaide wanted to shut it down, and Melbourne were happy to shut it down, absorb the pressure, and just kept going and won comfortably. Like, I know I said Port were actually closer than Essendon, but as far as the game goes, Port were never a chance of winning it, especially after halftime. It, just, it was no chance. So someone pointed out to me that it was only like five goals in the end. It's it's probably the the biggest five goal smashing that you'll ever see. Like it genuinely felt like the D's beat them by a solid like seventy plus points, but because it was just such a low scoring game, like the the margin it didn't end up being that big in the end. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just gonna fact check and correct myself. It was twenty nine points. Oh, there you go, under five goals anyway. <laughs> and this was oh no. It, uh... I oh, know this was 32 points. I'm, I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> Essendon gets slightly closer. But the, but the point was, the point was, um, Essendon felt like that was close and having a sniff, whereas Port just were never in it. Um, but it's Melbourne's strength to sort of, they can sort of adapt to what is thrown at them. Um, it's just, my, so my thing about this is, and I'm, I tend to agree that Geelong and Brisbane are probably the next rung and they've got spotty, Finals records, even at, I was going to say at home for both, but Geelong don't get home finals. Brisbane do, but they have been eliminated up there. Um, I mean, Sydney were the ones that people were talking about, but then they had a little bit of a buddy hangover against the Dogs. And then, mm. like, how do you rank their, their performance against the Roots? Like, everyone's I was going to say, Sos, you've, uh, you've come in today with a bit of a, um, a spring in your step as well. The, the Roots are back on board. They, uh, they nearly had a win on the weekend as well. You know, they gave Sydney quite a scare as well. I mean, you'd, you'd say that in, in a couple of years, the, the Roos would definitely pencil that in as a win. It was just a little bit of inexperience towards the end with, um, I think, R2 sort of butchered it a little bit towards the end and gifted Heaney a goal. But besides that, like, I thought it was a fair effort by the um, the Roos as well. And I, I'd say that's more of a impressive effort from the Roos rather than the Swans. Like, if you're a Swans fan, you just take the, uh, the W there and, and go with it. But for the Roos to respond the way they did, they're capable of like a performance like that as well. So I thought it was more, yeah, the, the Roos responding rather than the Swans sort of dropping off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you reckon? Well, I normally don't get many kind words from a co-host about North Melbourne. So I was almost speechless. Um, no, look, we... Uh, <laughs> I know. Trying to change things up, Seb. <laughs> no, uh, look, it was a response. It, w- it was a better effort. It was a fourth quarter effort. Um, it, young teams are just up and down week by week, 
play well, play poorly. It's just the nature of it. Last week was against Brisbane, particularly poor against Sydney. Good effort against a good team. Uh, we play the Dogs on Good Friday this week, so who knows where that can go. Um, yeah, you'd be hoping it's a little bit closer than last year's. What was it? Like 127 points, points I think. Um, yeah. We got closer the next time we played them last year. So if you use that margin, we'll, we'll roll them by about five goals. We were significantly closer. We're almost 100 points better the second time we played them. But anyway, um, <laughs> the Dogs are another interesting team who I'd pick to go to the grand final. And then they've only won one game, but it was against Sydney. They've lost to Melbourne. They've lost to Carlton, who were the hot team starting the year. And now they've lost to Richmond, which doesn't look so good, but mm-hmm. they can't seem to find a goal. Um, so I reckon with the... Um... The dogs, it's it's one of those cases and it's a bit like hard to tell earlier in the year with the, the impact of uh, the draw as well. I mean, the dogs have played Melbourne, who you probably wouldn't expect them to win, like ran into a red hot Carlton and then like Richmond are capable on their day as well. So I think actually looking at the draw, the dogs next, I think it's something like their next seven games are all like they'll start favourites in all of them. So I, I'd say like at the moment, they're looking pretty dismal at one and three, but I reckon the draw their draw opens up and they'll probably win the next few games and be back in the eight pretty soon. But it's still like the the same problems for the dogs as well. Like their defense with um even without Keith as well just looks so shaky and you know they can't kick a uh, a goal to save themselves as well. Like what if they kick eight goals in nineteen or something? And yeah, it's just you know old uh what old adage is you know bad bad kicking is bad football. Yep. Yep, you can't. There's no if ands or buts about that. Um, they're 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 one to watch, and I, I do think they'll they'll shoot back up. So, I, I think looking at it now, it's clear it, we're looking at Melbourne, Geelong, and Brisbane. Let's fast forward, and, and this is this is the challenge part of the exercise. But You're let's leaving fast out forward. the Saints there, sauce. So, uh, we haven't even got to them yet. <laughs> no, 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 well, despite I don't know how. How you listen? It's not a Saints podcast. Uh, no, what yeah. I was going to say was, we're round four. Let's fast forward to let's call it round twenty. Just I picked a round sort of later in the year. Who's going to be in the premiership hunt at that point? So who who's making the jump in? Are Sydney going to assert themselves? Are the Saints going to continue on this form? Um, are the are the Blues like I know it, it looks a bad loss to the Suns on paper, but um, the Suns win. 66% of their games in rounds one to five, and then they win 14% of their games after that. So you don't want to get the Suns in the first five weeks. Yeah, well, don't want to hear that as, as the Saints are playing them this week, but oh, definitely... didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, I, th- you know, I think uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, but um, I think for the Blues as well, like I, I don't actually really see that loss as being too bad for them because um, oh, they've had a pretty... like. The Suns in the past have actually been the Blues bogey team, I reckon, and they were sort of due for a bit of a, a loss, I reckon, with um, Paddy Cripps going down as well. Like this year, they've become so reliant on just winning, like winning it out of the midfield to generate scores. So with Paddy Cripps going down, also sort of like add an extra sort of psychological blow as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they go in the next few weeks with Adam because um, he's been super, almost probably the uh, the best player in the comp to start the year as well. So. I'd still have faith in uh, in Carlton making finals, top four. We'll wait and see and stuff. But I definitely reckon, like seeing them play, their footy sort of stacks up early on as well. So I'd say they might not be quite in that conversation. But yeah, 
let's uh, wait and see for it. All right. So, do we think? So, who who are you putting in that that group? Who who's going to make the leap or who's going to assert themselves? Oh, I reckon. I, yeah, I'd say yeah. Blues, Swans definitely are capable. I mean, they've got um, like so many good young players, and and Hinney and Mills um, are just like ready to sort of stamp themselves on the competition, particularly Heaney as well. He's looking like a, a top-rung player at the moment as well. Um, I mean, Buddy's going down now. It'll be interesting. I think Buddy actually going out might not be too bad of a thing for him as well because, you know, he's only got one or two years left in him as well. So they'll need to find other avenues to go as well. So it'll give, like, players like Logan McDonald maybe a bit of a show. But, um, I mean, I, I'd, ha- I'd like to say the Saints after the first four rounds as well. I mean, you, you'd be hard-pressed to say that that like, you know, um, smashing a Hawthorne wasn't impressive and the kind of thing that you'd, you'd want a finals team to be doing, but it's still so early in the year as well. And um, yeah, but with the competition being so even as well, it's it's definitely open to really any team from, you know, six to 13 from last year jumping into that. I reckon they do say that there's always one team every year that comes from outside the eight to, you know, top four. So this year could actually maybe be two, who knows? Yeah, uh, I I agree. I, I think someone's definitely definitely flying up. So I'm putting I'm putting the dogs will be fighting for the flag. The swans will be in that mix. And if I had to pick two, I guess outside, I'm picking the Dockers, and I think the Blues hmm. will keep their form going. Um, the Dockers are three and one. They just went down to the Saints and really should have been able to grind out that win over the West. So I'm still trying to work out how good that win was because in my head, I, had, I had, hadn't had the Saints as traveling so well, but they took apart the Hawks. You can't say that wasn't impressive. Um, and I I don't know what to make of it because if Freo win that, they're 4-0 and and Fife hasn't played a game. They're still, as it stands, they're 3-1. Mm. And, and, and Mundy's played. barely played as well. So, Mundy's yeah. barely played. Darcy's been injured and he only played two games. Tabin has missed. So there's some players coming back for the Dockers that I I, I love I love what they're doing with Justin Longmuir. Um, I mean, they probably have um, one of the best young sort of starting four midfields in the game like with you know you got Darcy, Brayshaw, uh, uh, never say it's so wrong. <laughs> um, only thing I guess with the Dockers for me is just yeah they're, they're key sort of forward stocks like don't know if you can really rely on um, uh, what's his name Rory Lobb to kick your winning score as well and um, just kind of feel like yeah just their forward half they kind of lack that x factor as well I mean um, Sonny Walters isn't the same sort of player as he used oh, to be oh. yeah Definitely could see them still uh, pushing up into the eight. Uh, um, the other team as well, I reckon, even though they lost on the weekend, would be the, like the Pies as well. I mean, they're two and two now, but they probably should have beaten Geelong the round before. And then it's a bit of a fluke sort of um, kicked inaccurately game against uh, the West Coast. So I could actually definitely have seen the Pies even still being four and zip um, instead of being yeah, two and two what they are now. Yeah, I'll I'll give you some thoughts on the pies when we get to that game because I think I've <laughs> gonna be too positive. <laughs> I've look, I, I don't mind positivity, um, but I, I I strongly disagree. Uh, but let's let let's get into this grading, Sam. I know you're excited. Mm. This is probably the funnest part of this podcast is giving out the grades and hearing the feedback because uh, we never get them all right. So 
we're gonna have to cut and, and please like negativity is encouraged um i can <laughs> safely say one of the coaches of these oh teams will not be coaching at the end of the year uh, i think it'll be ken hinckley i think simon's safe um well leon cameron arkins for the yeah <laughs> can i quote you on that hmm? quote you on that that leon cameron's out oh for sure well I feel like the expectations that the Giants have would be, uh, you know, they're, they'd be expecting them to make it, at least make a, a semi, if not a prelim. And they're not looking anywhere like close to that side at the moment as well. So, I guess, no, so that, he's a barometer, Toby Green. And people have forgotten about him because he just hasn't played. But uh, he's, he's very important to what they do. Uh, let's, let's get into it. Thursday night, Port Adelaide, Melbourne. Uh, as you said earlier, not, not a, well, not one for the name of game, DVD, not, one that I will ever probably revisit, but uh, it was a dour contest. It was a goal very early and then sort of nothing. And it took Port Adelaide up until the 22 minute mark of the third quarter to kick their first goal. And it's actually a pretty fair goal in the end as well. I'm pretty sure it was a, a Houston from uh, beyond 50 as well. So it looks like well, a bit yeah. special to get anything on the board for him. Georgiades kicked what was, or tried to kick goal of the year and ran around everyone and into someone oh, in the goal square. Uh, you got to say that was one of the uh, the funniest bits of play you'll ever see. Yeah, it's every just like, time, just, just kick it. <laughs> every time he went to kick it, he thought he had to bounce it. But if you kick it, same result. Anyway, um, Port got a few goals back late, which made the scoreline a little bit more respectable. But how did you see this grade-wise? Oh, well, I sort of said for the Ds, they sort of, yeah, didn't really get out of... Um, third gear so i've given them a credit for the, for the game i reckon they've sort of just um did did what they need to as well like gone and jackson uh tearing it up as well bloody um had had, she- had to shem against uh the ultimate footy and he had gone as his captain so he scored a solid 400 for him but uh it's uh you know the d's were just looking rock solid and on the other hand port things just keep on going from bad to worse so i've uh sent them to see the coordinator and uh, that's also on the off the back of um, Ollie Wines, the, the news coming out of the game as well. They had some sort of um, heart inflammatory thing or something, um, which might mean he might miss a, a bit of chunk of footy. I mean, hard to know with those kind of things. But, you know, Brandlow Medlis, like coming out of that team um, from the weekend, it's going to be a bit of a tough year for Port from here, you'd say. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not going to touch the the heart issues uh, with a 10 foot pole, there was talk about vaccination and all this sort of stuff and a reaction. So <laughs> let's just talk like the heart issue. He's going to, we'll get it checked out and do all the right things. That sounds like he'll be put out for at least sort of two or three weeks to sort of work out what's going on, which is a big loss when Ali's already up there and, and they need a win and they come up against the Red Hot Carlton. Um, I'm going to fail them just because they're playing Melbourne and Melbourne are just, they're, 10, 20% above the rest of the comp. So I didn't expect them to win, but as their season as a whole, I'm happy with a coordinator grade. And I love that you're giving out a coordinator grade early, Sam. Like that's, that's what we want. We want either, we love the extremely positive and the extremely negative. Um, I mean, Melbourne, I mean, I'm, I mean, though, like with that as well, like you would have expected Port coming into the year to be top four. So, you know, to not get anywhere close to the Ds on the home deck, I, I couldn't see anything other than, uh, you know, sending him to the coordinator sauce. You, you could say you expected a goal in the first half at some stage <laughs> from them too. So, yeah, that was... May, may have helped. Um, uh, the Ds are just getting a simple pass. They got the job done. It wasn't pretty. 
no one's going to write home about it, but they they go through. They play the Giants this week, who, you know, if things go to form, they're just going to keep rolling, which... Uh, I think that could be a, a um, bit of a danger game, though, for the Ds. Uh, from memory, I think the Giants may have just about beat them last year or got pretty close. So, uh, yeah, it'd be, be an interesting one for the Ds this, this week. Yeah, no, no, they beat them, I think, because I think that was... I was, I was watching Simple Simon's status there, and I thought, oh, hang on, I'm going to go here. Um, <laughs> but no, no, pass for the Ds. Uh, just on the Ds, Benny Brown's copped two weeks for an elbow to the throat of a, of a player in oh, the geez. VFL. So yeah, if you get the chance Very to look Patty at Patty McCartan you know, style. <laughs> oh, it's a real ugly hit. I think he just meant to push him, and he stuck the elbow up and got him high. But two weeks down to one with an early plea, same as what Paddy Ryder's copping for stopping in his tracks and having a player run into him, but oh, geez. I'm, well, yeah, we'll get into that. That's <laughs> I think I'm going to leave, leave my full MRO thoughts for the, for your, for your brother. Cause he, uh, yeah. Yeah. He uh, doesn't that, enjoy delving into him. <laughs> that don't make sense. Um, all right. So moving on to uh, Geelong and Brisbane. Now this was, this was the game of the round in the sense of there were two really good football teams playing. I know there was a close game on Sunday Arvo between Adelaide and Essendon, but, they're no good. The Geelong and Brisbane are really good. Brisbane came to play and we had just a cracking last quarter. Oh yeah. It was a genuine top four clash. Like you sort of felt that from the onset, like the margin barely got beyond um, 15 points for the majority of the game as well. And you know, the, if that game's at the Gabba, you'd say it probably swings to Brisbane winning it as well. So Bit of a snapshot to what could potentially happen later later in the year, but um, how do you see this one, Sauce? Uh, like in terms of grades? Yeah, so it, it went. I, I ended up tipping Brisbane on the back of uh, uh, Tom Stewart being a laid out. He's key to what they do, and we saw that in the finals last year. He went down, and they just they were a bit of a mess down back. Um, and I just thought this is Brisbane's chance. They're going to want revenge for last year. It's going to be on. And they got in front of the third quarter. I'm thinking, here we go. Uh, the Cats, look, I, I I agree they need to do it in finals, but overall, they just know how to win. They know how to get it done. There's no fuss. They're still going to drop the odd game here and there, but they're going to win their 15 and be probably the lowest sixth, all the way up to third. They're just going to sit in that range. Um, I'm giving the Cats a... I think I'm giving him a distinction and giving the Lions a pass um, because the Lions were damn close. And um, I know everyone's talking about that missed decision late in the game. It it didn't decide the game. It just was glaringly obvious that it should have been a push in the back. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Daniel McStay. He seems to have sort of announce himself for the Lions. Uh, mm, yeah, free agent at the end of the year as well. So I'm going to talk well, about that. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm fascinated in that him he's the number one free agent because that means it's a real weak year, no disrespect. but <laughs> Not going to be a great um, trade period, is it? Yeah. You know, we've had the likes of Gary Ablett and, and Lance Franklin come through free agency, so McStay doesn't have the same name. But um, fun fact, I'm, when I say I know his old man, I've met his old man. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> his old man did one of my tattoos. He owns a tattoo shop in Richmond. So... 
Uh, and uh, you rate it or? Oh, very happy with <laughs> it. You're stuck with it, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got all four there, and uh, all four of my tattoos down at that shop. And uh, if you like, if you want a Saints Premiership one, I can absolutely hook you up with him, Sam. <laughs> Oh, I reckon uh, oh, a few more wins like a on the like on the weekend sauce. We might just back it there. I reckon. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you to get a Saints finals win at some point. Uh, grading grading for this one. Yeah, so I reckon sort of should have compared notes, but I've gone the same as well. So I reckon the Geelong give them a distinction as well. So um, Tomahawk was absolutely on fire as well. I think he kicked um, five goals three as well. So he could have had an absolute like huge bag, but. Just that presence up on the forward forward line, and um, Dan back as well. I thought for the Cats that um, after a bit of a shaky start, um, Sam DeConning really sort of found um, got into gear a bit as well. So a bit of a soft spot for a uh, younger brother of a Tom named Sam, who's uh, making making his own mark as well. Um, and yeah, I thought he was pretty pretty reliable as well for um, the Cats as well. And they'll probably want to be persevering with him as a bit of a project player as well, because um, I think it was a pretty early draft pick to pick as well for them as well. So. They haven't had too many of them, so definitely it would, it would be wanting to persevere with Sam DeConing. Um, for the Lions as well, I've just given them a bit of a pass. I mean, that game could have gone either way as well. It's like that Gabba probably swings the other way, but only thing with the Lions as well is just the... I had a look um, today as well, just at the size of their midfield as well. So only thing I reckon, like, come finals time, that might be a little bit of an issue and could be a potential issue for, like, the last few finals is, like, their midfield's actually pretty short. When you're like when you look at it on paper, so you know, Lockie Neal's below 180, like lines is just above 180, like Zach Bailey's were pretty short as well. McCluggage is sort of mid 180 as well. They just sort of like that real sort of um big body midfielder that like you know Patty Dangerfield um would be as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the lines go throughout the year, but definitely didn't lose any sort of support for, for the lines after that kind of performance as well. They, you know, it's a quality game and they definitely could have um Wanted it, want it there in the end. Yeah, no, 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 I agree with that. Um, and just for those playing at home, Sam DeConing's one of ten. He's got one of ten, ten children, and his old wow. man played. And he's two hundred centimeters as well. It'd be a big family. Yeah, well, his old man was one hundred ninety six. Played thirty one games for Footscray um, in nineteen eighty to eighty two. So, jeez, uh, I wonder <laughs> if there's more DeConings to come through the ranks. Um, yeah, <laughs> doesn't say whether he's oldest or youngest. Uh, moving on, we had Sydney Sydney hosting North Melbourne. I was a bit nervous coming into the sound. I, did, I didn't know how well North would go. Uh, up to the challenge, up for the fight. Uh, the coaches finally worked out Jack Zebel is not a defender, so let's oh. throw him forward. He had a big. Got to be honest, the uh, the coaching move of, the, of this season so far, so it's like Zebel going up forward, masterstroke by a. Uh, uh, what's his name? David Noble. <laughs> yeah, if if that's a master stroke, and if that's if that's the best move our coach has got, he probably needs to go because Blind Freddie could have told you two years ago his evil's not a defender, um, <laughs> and now just now he's sort of getting with the program, and we're short that sort of presence up forward. We don't want to play uh, Coleman Jones with Charlie Coleman can't get a look in apparently. So Zebel's sort of logical one to go up there, and we're suddenly not a liability down in defence. So. It it changed a lot of how we play. He kicked straight. He took the most of his chances. Like just as simple he, as that. It helps. He's still skipper as well, isn't he? Zebel, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. he does the toss. Um, he does the interviews, but 
so this is I made this point last week when we lost to Brisbane by a hundred. Um, halfway through the second quarter, he still hadn't had a touch, and we're getting trounced, and he's playing like if he's up forward, I get it, but he was down back and he hadn't had the touch. So, is he would have thought he'd um go and take the kick, the uh, kickouts. He always loves racking up the um stats by you know taking the uh the kickins kicking duties. Yeah, I, I don't think they just want to kick long to a contest. I think that's why he doesn't take them because that's his go-to. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. But enough, enough captain bashing. He did stand up. Um, we had contributors all across the ground. Sydney did too. Sydney were up for the fight. I actually really rate um, the way Sydney were able to still win because um, take Carlton and the Suns, for example. The Suns turned up to play, saw Carlton coming in, saw the, they were red hot. And we're like, right, we've got, we, we got a chance here. And Carlton couldn't find a way through it. North turned up to play in the sense of we got belted last week. We're embarrassed. We've been pummeled through the media. We've been pummeled internally. We turn up to play. Sydney absorbed it. Didn't win pretty. Didn't set the world on fire. No one's going to be talking about this win, but they got the win. And in a season where outside of Melbourne, every team so far this year has had a down week. Right, and Sydney were having a down week, but managed to grind out the win. So, I think that's an underrated skill in football, and we always look at it and go, "Oh, it wasn't a good win. They they just barely beat so and so." And it's like, well, but it's so hard to get the four points in this league. You can't. I mean, just yeah, rag the teams when they do. It's like, well, you know, you got you got to give some credit, don't you? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, with the Swans, like that's the the kind of win you'd say that would push them towards being more of a top four team. Just being able to grind a, ga- a game out when um everything's going against you. I mean, you what you look at that game like North are fourteen points up in the last quarter. Not to bring it up against us, but you know they're pretty much you know one goal away from polishing off that game. But the the Swans are able to you know grind their way back into it and with a bit of um x factor from um isaac heaney as well who's an absolute star um they're able to yeah, just get over the line in the end yeah yeah and so i i i was disappointed but at the same time like full credit to the swans they got the job done and and you know you'd have to be it, they're three and one and and this point of the year three and one is so much bigger than two and two it's just it's massive um and they've beaten the giants beaten the cats it's looking like a good win and they went down to the dogs by 11 points so um yeah a bit of a buddy hangover for that game as well you'd say like after the week before definitely and uh, it's an emotion thing and that's the thing teams are up and down so where you can get wins you just you absolutely take them in terms of a grade I'm going to yeah, so- I'm going to give a double pass. Double pass. I probably wanted to grade us higher, but I just I want to see I want to see us do it two weeks in a row. I'm being harsh, I think, but that's what I want to see. And the Swans absolutely get a pass for they weren't on, but they won and that's that's a big deal. Well, I've sort of um, probably one of those rare games where the losing team actually gets a higher grade than the uh, the winning team. But I've um, gone with the giving North a, a distinction. I reckon just just because um, you know, as a bottom four team, it's almost like the the ideal kind of game in a sense. Like um, you know, they show a lot. Probably should have won the game, but you know, it's not going to hurt their uh, draft position at the end of the year as well. So 
it's a bit of a win-win for North as well. So um, I think, yeah, when you look at the sort of bottom four teams, you, you sort of judge them more on percentage as well. So, you know, that's like really going to help them towards the end of the year. And for the Swans as well, sort of similar to, yeah, what, what you're saying there. So, so I reckon they just need to get the win and, you know, um, pencil it away and move on to next week, really. Yep, yep. Uh, danger game next week for the Swans. They're playing the Eagles oh, yeah, over yeah. there. Eagles over there. Oh, jeez. Danger. Uh, speaking of the Eagles, they flew over to Melbourne where they apparently don't travel well and they played the red-hot oh. Collingwood Magpies who... What a, what a performance was this? <laughs> yeah, the, the Magpies who... I've, I've been told they should have been three and zip if not for a, a last quarter lapse where they gave up about 15 goals. Um and West Coast fly in. I want to give just some credit to Adam Simpson. That was a that was a coaching masterclass. The way he was able to just set that team up with all the injuries, all the outs, everything else to come over here and win. Um, well deserved. And and Collingwood would be kicking themselves because you're looking at how depleted West Coast are. That's a chance to get the four points, and they could have also been three and one. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, with the pies, the only eight you'd sort of probably give them is. No Dugowie, no Adams, and Jamie Alec goes down, um, I think, with his shoulder as well, which would be out for the majority of the rest of the year as well. But, you know, like we're saying with the Swans, where they were able to sort of grind out a win against North, like if Collingwood were wanting to be a finals team, which, you know, it's hard to know where they're sort of at this year. Like, it's the kind of game that they'd need to win to make finals uh, towards the end of the year as well. But um, I think, yeah, it was like you're saying more about um, West coast rather than anything with the pies. It was just um, you know, tremendous effort by them as well. Like Jeremy McGovern down back was marking absolutely everything. I, I think Collingwood just didn't really get the memo like that. He was actually not one of the COVID um, protocol players because <laughs> they kept on kicking it down to him. So yeah, he was just absolutely racking up intercept mark after intercept mark as well. And um, it was one of the, yeah, one like big reasons why they were able to get over the line in the end. He was is outstanding, McGovern. Um, often forgotten about over here in the in the east. Uh, it was, it was just. I, I think the the other thing I like to look at is is ten goals, fourteen to fourteen goals, three. Now you can't always tell the story just by looking at that, but at half time, uh, sorry, at three quarter time. So just go back. It was. The Pies were, I think, were leading by seven points. I think it was seven points, seven or eight points. But it was seven behinds. So it wasn't as though it was one goal one. It was nine, nine, ten to nine, three. And then yeah. the last quarter, it's one goal four to five goals straight. And that was the difference. Um, West Coast just took their chances as they had them. Um, the Pies have always been a very to- good um, set shot team, West Coast. Like, I feel like, you know, Kennedy and Darling, they just, very rarely miss. No, no. Kennedy's been fantastic um, all through his career. Darling, yeah, he's underdone. You probably don't need to revisit that, but um, <laughs> not against us. Rioli's kicked three straight. Like Kennedy's kicked three straight. Just that. That just makes it different. It's a massive difference. I don't have to tell you with Max King how if that goal kicking's fixed oh. up to be. Tell, us, tell it to the dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the dogs and take that. Oh, Bad kicking is bad football. It's shown here. But the Pies have had another last quarter fade out where they just haven't been able to go. And it's a little bit of they're playing 
so hectic from quarters one till three. They don't have enough in the tank in the last quarter. Whereas mm. you look at Melbourne again, the benchmark, we keep going back to them, but they will do the same level of defending without the same level of effort because of the way they move the ball and they can pick you apart and they can do all sorts of different things. So just something to be a little bit concerned about for Collingwood, but look, the honeymoon's yeah. over for fly McRae. Um, it was exciting. The Pies winning. Everyone was like, yeah, they're up and about. Look at how good we are. We're going to beat Geelong. Oh, we've beaten Geelong. I'm hearing this at three-quarter time last week. And then, whoops, didn't win that game. Oh, well, we, we've got the Eagles coming over here. They don't travel. We'll, we'll beat them. they got no play. Whoops, they didn't win this. Uh, how are they going to respond? Because they play Brisbane. Normally in Brisbane that game. I, don't, I haven't actually looked where it is this week. Yeah, um, no, I think it's yeah up at the Gabba as well. Yep. That's a tough one. And mm. then they go into Anzac Day. That's never easy. They could be two yeah, and four. Be one of the, uh, one of the more competitive it. Anzac Days like in a few years, I reckon. It's always usually one team's you know, flying and the other one's struggling. So Yeah, they've got to watch themselves here, Collingwood. They're going to be two and four and the lights will be off and they'll be back into development mode wondering why they've got someone like Mason Cox on their list. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you reckon with the Pies, um, like... Coming into the year, do you reckon like they'd be wanting to play finals? Or I mean, it's a bit of a, a stupid question in the way, but like you know, realistically for their sort of development, would they be banking on playing finals as like the benchmark of a successful year? Yeah, uh, they should be. I I've gone into depth on this at North Melbourne, but we are obviously well. Collingwood seventeenth last year, I think they were. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, they, yeah. they finished. So, one yeah. ladder spot between us, but I've sort of said you need to aim for the finals. If you're not aiming for that, you, you're setting in this loser's mentality within your club. Um, so they're certainly aiming for that, and there's no reason why they can't. They've got some players around. Um, they've got you know got Pendlebury and Adams, you know, leaders that club. Darcy Moore stuck around. DeGoey's got a lot of ability. He just can't seem to put everything together in, in terms of his mm. life in the game and everything else. Um, yeah, they got so that many A graders. <laughs> it feels like it, but they just seem to be. I I don't know what it is. They're just putting it all together. It is obviously a lot more difficult. New coach, new game plan, changes this, that, and the other. Um, they're still missing a key forward and a target who's, I guess, elite. They've had reliable ones. Even like Travis Cloak at his best was elite for a little bit, but his kicking wasn't great, and. You didn't have long at that level. And then they always were trying to pair someone with him and they haven't had anyone then and they haven't had anyone since. So, I mean, that's the uh, the concern even with the weekend. It's like, you know, Brody Majek probably played one of the better games you'll, you'll see from him as well, but it still wasn't really enough to get them um, over the line in the end as well. And with Jamie Elliott going down, yeah, it sort of becomes a bit tough up forward as well. I mean, like... Mason Cox probably shouldn't be getting like a game for them, but they just don't really have any other big like key marking forwards to sort of compete anyway. Yeah, yeah, and you need to play someone in that role. It just sort of says that's where your list sat. Um, but um, and I, I think I talked about it last week. The two thousand and was it seventeen? The Kings draft. Uh, two thousand eighteen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That draft I think will go down as one of the better ones because you had the King brothers you had was that Matty Rao? Uh, no so you had uh, I think Sammy Walsh you had oh, um, sorry uh, Bailey uh, Bailey Smith 
you had like Connor Rosie, yeah, oh, yeah the Port, yeah, the Port Trio and Dersma and um, Zach Butters, Taron um, Thomas, you had Jai Corwell as well, who are great from the, the Bombers, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you don't have to finish last or, t- or bottom three to get this pick to get the next kid. You just you try, you get the best one you can, and you just build from there. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even you look at the um the ruse, like you know Nick Clarkie and stuff. He was a relatively later pick as well and he's turned into a pretty good um forward and like you know ben brown it like it doesn't always have to be the mm. pointy end of the uh the draft but most of the time yeah the the good um marquee forwards do like end up you know you, you end up drafting them rather than recruiting them from another club because they'll cost you an arm and a leg well, that's true but the the if you aim to play finals and you fall short, you still get a top ten pick, and you can still find yeah, exactly, one yeah. in that in that list. Like uh, aiming for finals, if you're not aiming for finals, and and the players would never not be told they're not aiming for it, you you're completely cooked as a club. Now let's 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 grade this one. I'm I'm giving the pies a fail, and they're not far from a coordinator job at this point. But I I think they were getting ahead of themselves and it was, it was a good time for West coast to come over. Um, West coast are getting a high distinction just for winning under the sheer amount of pressure they've had the COVID outs. Uh, they've had different coaches. There's been so many things going on and they don't travel. Well, we keep getting told they've come over and had a good win. Uh, so I'm giving them a HD. Jeez. So you're uh, actually going a bit, bit lighter than uh, I thought you would. Um, I'm giving the pies. They, uh, I'm sending them to the coordinator as well. I just reckon, um, I mean, for me, Collingwood should be playing finals with what they've shown early in the year and also their list as well. And, you know, losing to West Coast, who barely have half their team as well. I just think it's a, um, a win that they just had to have if they want to play finals as well, the Pies. And, yeah, I, on, the other, on the other hand, I've, I've got West Coast down here as a distinction, but I'm actually sure what I'm on about there. This has to be probably a high distinction for them considering, like, the amount of plays that they are missing and just the... You know, the, you also forget that this wasn't even a home game, which the um, the Eagles usually only re- like you know rely on having that fortress over there in Perth as well. So, you know, all all things considered, it's a huge effort by the West Coast and probably one of their best wins in the history. I'd, I'd even say. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be remembered this year. Like you got to get that monkey off your back, get your first win, especially when things are going against you and. They've done it, and uh, onwards to. It's crazy that um that Port are the only team like this year that hasn't got a win yet. It's yeah, strange yeah. year so far. Well, yeah, they were in front last week against Adelaide at Siren, but that was not to be. Uh, Richmond hosted the Bulldogs. This was I, I didn't sort of see this coming. I thought the Dogs were far and away better. I think Richmond are done and I'm still happy to stand by that. I don't think Richmond will play finals. I still believe Richmond have got the list of win games like this. I just didn't think they were sort of ready to do it without Dusty. Um, But they were uber impressive taking out the fact that the dogs just could not kick a goal to save themselves. And that bad kicking is bad football. I'm not excusing it. But it's, you still got to factor in the context around that. It was just it was just awful. Seven goals, nineteen to fifteen goals, nine. Jeez, but yeah, that sums it up in itself. So, well, I reckon, um, yeah, like I reckon the, even with this game as well, it's sort of um, 
just for me highlighted the um the importance of Prestia for, for the Tigers as well. Like when he's playing for them, they're just a, a much better team as well. He's just such a consistent um midfielder for them. Like he's just always sort of racks up his his three disposals and brings those other players like uh, Shy Bolden, who was um insane during the game as well. Kicked probably one of the, the goals of the year. Um, brings him into the game as well. It was um yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I didn't see this from the Tigers as well and. Um, but then, you know, thinking about the dogs as well, it's it's one of those things where you look at their um, end of season from last year, like in season, they they lost um, like three or four of their last sort of um, handful of games as well. And if it wasn't for um, that final against Brisbane, where they, you know, they, they only beat Brisbane by a point in the semifinal as well. So, you know, that swings the other way. And the dogs aren't really the grand finalist team that people sort of expect them to be. Um, I'm sort of thinking that this is, yeah, just sort of they're just, carrying on that kind of bad form that they had at the end of last year into the start of this year, really. And I'm actually not too, um, too bullish on the dogs even making the eight at this stage, I reckon. Yeah, it's a big call. It's a big call. I like it though. They're at one and three question marks. Um, yeah, real question marks, but I just think they've got too many midfielders that they'll just find a way to get these wins. Um, but if they keep kicking seven nineteen, they're not winning many games of football. So it's I guess we'll um yeah see this um this Friday against the Roos as well. If uh, the Roos find a way to get over them, it could be an extension for the for the dogs. It, It'll be know, one for one the ages. Four. One for the ages. <laughs> uh, don't you worry about that. It will be a special Friday night podcast if we get that win. Uh, <laughs> in terms of grading, um, sorry, before we grade that. Uh, Man after my own heart, that Jack Rewalt goal after the sign oh, with the barrel. Um, yeah. He didn't get the full whack because he was only kicking 55 and it didn't go 80, but it's still the, the art of kicking it through the goals is, you know, if you're kicking you it from the, full um, back, it's just got to go roughly in the area, but getting through the goals, it's, it's, it takes some skill to do that. Oh, did you hear the, uh, the ump beforehand? He went on being like, saying like oh i'm gonna kick, kick, kick it um kick it off and the ump goes oh good luck <laughs> yeah and yeah. then just he didn't he didn't even you're right he didn't even um hit it sweetly as well it was sort of a bit of a mongrel punt but still you know carried the weight as well yeah no that was a good bit of theater um and just just good for the game to have that sort of thing in there uh you should do it more <laughs> oh they absolutely should but i i don't know i'd see Jaden stevenson pulls them out at north and he doesn't hit him flush very often. There's just that one highlight of him doing it and everyone thinks he's got a license to do it. Uh, grading wise, I'm giving the Tigers a distinction. The dogs can see the coordinator because they should be top four playing in a prelim. And at the moment, losing games like that to Richmond, who a lot of triple premiership players on this team, but they're not a premiership level team. Losing that sort of game is just not on for me. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with like with the dogs as well. If, you know, Richmond, you forget didn't make the eight last year, and the dogs are a grand finalist team. Only thing I would say is, you know, they did kick pretty inaccurately, and majority of the time, you know, you'd say you at least square the ledger as well. So for me, I've actually just given them a bit of a fail for that one, just because I thought um it was a pretty competitive match for the majority of it. And the um, the Tigers just put on a bit of a um, a spurt in the third quarter to sort of run away with it. 
Um, and Shy Bolton was just kicking them from everywhere as well. So I thought it was a bit more on um, Richmond playing well rather than, than like the dogs not really being up, being up to it too much. So I've given, um, agree with you as well, though. I've given the Tigers the HD as well as a, a huge win for them as well. So definitely did, didn't see that coming. And it sort of um, revives their season in, in a way as well as earlier, early on in the year. Yeah. They've got to get over Adelaide, Richmond. Uh, that's going to be a test for them. So, was that uh, not a bad game this week? Yeah, that'll be a really interesting one because um, Crows weren't too bad as well. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get oh, to yeah, that. We've still got one more game on the Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> we do. The game, well, the, the second game on Fox on a Saturday night, often lost to most viewers, not lost to this viewer because Freo were playing. Uh, Freo hosted the Giants and they just got the job done. They, uh, the Giants really didn't uh, they didn't offer too much of a shot. It was a bit of back and forth. Um, sort of seemed close, but in the end, Freo ran out convincing, convincing 34-point winners. Um, Freo, uh, we sort of talked about off the top, it's very hard to work out whether their three wins have been great or they've just beaten who's in front of them and they're going to need to sort of go to another gear if they seriously want to play finals. But you can only beat who you play, and and winning by five goals plus is is generally a pretty solid win in this day and age. Well, the the Giants were coming off a pretty solid performance against the Suns, and you know they're just kind of continuing that real inconsistency, which like it's just sort of plagued them for the last few years as well. Well, pretty much their existence really with all the uh, the talent they have. Um, for me, yeah, I guess like two main things out of this game was just the um, the Frio, like the form of um, Will Brody as well. Oh, He's amazing. a, you know, Gold Coast um, couldn't get a game for the Suns, originally high draft pick as well, and played probably the best game of his career, like 36 touches and a goal as well. And he was just everywhere. Um, continues to sort of show the Suns just letting these quality players go to other clubs as well instead of being able to find a spot for them themselves as well. So... Yeah, he was uh, he was everywhere. Will, Will Brody as well, and adding to that sort of midfield of Brayshaw and Sarong. Yeah, and you got Heath Chapman down back, who's he's, he's mm. going to get a rising star in the next few weeks. Um, O'Driscoll, he, he's shot, giving them a lot. Played his first game last week, coming on as a sub. Yeah, I think um, he kicked two as well. From uh, looking at as well, yeah, he's kicked two goals too. So, look, there's a lot to like about Freo. Uh, the Giants are just. They're sort of getting stuck, and uh, I hate to say, like Leon Cameron's done a remarkable job winning finals four out of the last five years, but they've had all this talent and they've lost talent, but then they've still had the talent around that's been able to keep carrying them through. It's, I, I just don't know where they sit. I, I don't know if they just need a fresh voice. Um, you know, Josh Kelly when, at one um... point was best player in the comp, and he's. Mm dropped off but still very good Cornelio's in the same boat like I just don't know where they go and where they sit yeah well it'll be interesting um when Toby Green comes back he's he's such a huge player for them as well and just makes them all walk a bit taller um one of the funny things though from uh, out of this game which I'm not sure if you saw this sauce but um Tom Green for the Giants kicked like a, a cracking goal from um the boundary line and uh he goes to celebrate punches the air ends up punching uh, one of the 
the Dockers plays in the shoulder as well and starting a bit of a all-in brawl just right on the halftime as well. Yeah, there was a bit going on there at halftime, um, which was good. Like, it's good to see some fight and some spice between these two teams, um, given smaller club in Perth, almost non-existent club in Sydney. Um, but yeah, I couldn't imagine the uh, TV viewership would have been breaking the charts. <laughs> yeah, it could have just been me in all of Victoria, I, f- <laughs> I feel like. Um, I think it was Jesse Hogan's first game against his second old club in in Freo. Oh, yeah. um, but look, it's it, this one sort of went to script for mine. Um, I thought Freo will win. You know, they're going to be hard to beat hosting teams. The Giants are... The Giants are genuine mid-tablers. Their their ceiling's probably seventh or eighth. Um, they're probably going to be between ninth and twelfth realistically. So you can't expect them to win too many. Uh, so I'm giving Freo a pass, and the, and uh, the Giants a fail because I mean, fourteen scoring shots is not going to win you a game of footy. Yeah, it's always just been a bit bit of a struggle for the Giants to actually get that many inside 50s, like considering how good their midfield is, it's a bit of a surprise, but I reckon it's just because, um, you know, they do have a lot of high quality mids, but whether they have that many sort of two-way runners has always been a bit of a, a bit of a tough one for the Giants as well. And these are the kind of games that if Leon Cameron does want to keep his job as well, they've got to be, got to be winning to push for finals as well. So yeah, I've given the, the Giants a, a fail for this game. Um, but yeah, on the other side, I've given Frio a distinction. I just um, just reckon for them as well, this is like a game that they easily could have lost as well. And the Giants have been up and down with their form and they just sort of got the job done and end up winning pretty convincingly in the um, in the end as well and unearthed um, a couple of young players as well. So I reckon it was a pretty good night in the end for, for the Dockers as well. And they'll go on. I think they're actually um, they're sitting third on the ladder at the moment as well. So it's been a pretty good start to the year for all the Dockers. Easily could have been um, 4-0 if it wasn't for some uh, Max King heroics as well. Yes. Which sure we'll get to later oh, in the podcast. Don't worry, mate. You will get a chance to talk Saints. It's not all the other teams. The Saints will come up. And yeah, I, well, I thought the Saints were almost going to get there percentage-wise. Um, they made up 20% and they needed to make up 22 and a, 22 and a bit to get past them. So um, yeah, Freo sitting third. Probably not the third best side in the comp, but you can only beat who you play. So uh, they've got I mean, a huge game. Probably skip the uh, the next game and just go straight to the Saints, I reckon, yeah. Oh, look, we can grade the next game pretty quickly. Uh, Essendon <laughs> hosted Adelaide at Marvel. Um, Essendon, look, they're missing Jake Stringer. There's no question about it. Uh, Two-meter Peter is another Gold Coast offshoot that's uh, really flourished, although he was a high draft pick and just never got the chance at the Suns, which... One day, that why that happened, the story will come out. Uh, this was an exciting game. It was electrifying. It was back and forth. The ball was zipping from one end down to the other. Game, yeah. um, there were goals like Taylor Walker in his first game back. He, he stood up for them and, and I guess earned a little bit of the fate the club had in him. And he, he put them in front late in the game. Essendon found a way to win, had to win. Their season would have been over if they lost that. It would have been all doom and gloom. Um, Adelaide lost Noah Meyer as well. If you look at where they're at, coming on the road, losing by less than a kick to Essendon is is, is probably a good result. Um, I watched the last 
most of the third quarter and the last quarter with with great interest. Um, and just it was two really young, inexperienced sides that just didn't know how to kick a goal. And the forward entry, 450 entries were terrible, not to advantage to, to two on ones. Um, and then it had slingshot right down the other end, and the players are just going up and back and forth, and they're getting tired, and that's making the ball easier to move in some ways, but then they've got no targets forward. So it was just, it was a bit of a mess and, and Essendon fans, it was heart and mouth stuff, but look, got the win. Like I said, monkeys off the back. They don't have to worry about getting their first win. They can just look forward to playing or hosting Frio. Um, and S, I've heard Essendon people tell me they've got a harder draw this year. Do you know they only leave Victoria five times? That's come on. That's yeah. That that that's yeah. I mean, it's been a pretty tough start to the year with like a few of those sort of teams they have come up against. But you know, they did play finals last year, Bombers. So if they're wanting to play, you know, if they're wanting to be a legitimate finals team. They're gonna be wanting to pencil in at least one of those. So, um, but yeah, with, with this game, uh, I uh, yeah saw it as the uh, the more for the Saints game, but thought it was a um just a awesome game to watch. It was like end to end three. Uh, free flowing footy as well, and reckon the the margin for the like the entire day, they didn't really get beyond two or three goals um, either way as well. And for the Bombers as well, I thought um, Dylan Shield looks like he's actually kind of back to some of the form that um, the the Bombers got him over from the Giants for. And Darcy Parrish as well just continues to push for the number one mantle of the Bombers as well. He had thirty eight and was everywhere. And uh, and like you were saying before, sauce my man, two meter Peter, it was uh, absolutely huge as well, and sort of showed why he was such a early top ten pick um, all those years ago at the Suns as well. I think I saw um, today um, that he's actually kicked thirty goals from his last twelve games or something, or something hectic like that as well. And he's actually only second to Tommy Hawkins and Max King right now for the um, the Coleman as well. So he's really starting to sort of establish himself as that number one key forward for um for the Bombers as well, which he should have always been like being such a high draft pick as well. The um One of the things though for the Bombers as well, I struggle to get my head around is why they haven't actually debuted Ben Hobbs yet as well. Like with, Z- with um Zach Merritt being out of this team, they're sort of crying out for that extra um, zippy sort of midfielder. And I reckon he could definitely fill that, um, fill that in. Um, I mean, you look at the Crows as well. Rochelle was just tearing this game to, to shreds as well as a youngster. And, you know, he looks like he's going to be a match winner for, for years to come. Um, just about won them the game in the end as well. And, yeah, I think he, what, he kicked three goals three in the end or something. He was, yeah, yeah. yeah he was everywhere. Yeah, no, he was. Um, he's outstanding. And the, the Crows have certainly found one. Um, I, I'm giving both teams a pass in this game. Uh, Essendon got the job done. Probably wasn't pretty, not how they would have wanted, but four points and you can start trying to build something for your season. Uh, Adelaide lost Noah Myers coming over here and, and going down by less than a kick, but I mean, it's sort of where I expected Adelaide at, you know, struggling. Um, they probably did better than I would have thought coming into it. Um, and you know, credit credit where it's due. Adelaide, despite the fact you wouldn't expect them to do so well, they're showing up each week and they're digging in. So um, it's going to be a good sort of year for Crows fans if you lower your expectations. Yeah, they're, they're looking pretty good, um, the Crows. Like, you're sort of starting to see their development from a few of the younger players, like um, 
uh, with Ned, like Ned McHenry and um, uh, row up forward as well. I reckon I'm going to bump both these teams up to a credit for this just just because the um, the game was such a good spectacle and such a high scoring um, free like free throwing game as well. And um, I think the Crows scored 99 points, but pretty much both teams over 100 points. It's just good footy. It's just what you want to see. Yeah, it was as a neutral fan. There were things happening all over the ground. Uh, now we'll get to. We'll get to the game at the G, Sam. This was <laughs> the highlight for Saints fans. Now, St Kilda have won 22 goals, 10, 142, defeating the Hawks, 10, 13, 73. This one was done at half time, my friend. Take us through it because I went from the Adelaide game to the, the Carlton Suns game. So take me through this. Well, I probably should disclose that I have actually been wearing my, my Saints jumper this entire podcast as well. And Oh, it's hard not to get too excited, but just as a uh, on the Hawks' perspective, I thought, yeah, a bit of a shocking day for them. Um, funny game up until half time. Like it was actually, I actually thought the Hawks had a bit more of the run of the game than what we did. Uh, they were just missing their, their shots up forward, and um, I think it's uh, something something like they oh, they conceded eighty points off turnover. Which, if you were Sam Mitchell reviewing the game, you'd just be like, oh, we just butchered the ball as well and just handed it back to the Saints as well. End of the game, the um, inside 50s ended up being about 45 to 46. So we same same amount of entries, but the margin ends up being 70 points. So just a shocking execution game from the Hawks. And the Saints made them pay full price as well. Um, one of the one of the interesting coaching moves at the start of the game was uh, Brett Radden had Brad Hill playing on CJ and sort of relied on the fact that CJ you know that when he gets to the gets the ball, he's just going to take off and leave Brad Hill all by himself. And they paid for it quite a few times early on in the game, even though that CJ had quite a few, um, quite a bit of the ball as well. But Brad Hill just got so many, um, so much of the ball center forward. And as a Saints fan, you'd be wanting to see him do that more often, like rather than have him get easy balls off halfbacks, sort of put him up where he's dangerous as well, playing that sort of wing half, half forward, um, delivering it into the 50. But, yeah, it's just a, a great day Great day at the G. Sun was out, Saints are kicking goals. And um, uh, it was uh, awesome in that last quarter as well. The entire crowd was basically willing for uh, Max King to, to get, get a bag. And he, he loves a good last quarter, Maxi King. Yeah, I think he kicked another three goals in the, um, the, the final quarter of the game to bring his total to four. And, Got to love the fact that Maxi is up there with uh, Tommy Tom Hawkins for the Coleman at the moment. Yeah, well, you got to love that you didn't need the the big bag in the last quarter to get over the line too. You could enjoy it rather than sort of heart and mouth stuff. Still uh, nice, but yeah. Look, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't ready to come in. Normally, we get another ten minutes on on the Saints game, so I've just oh, got to keep going, sauce, if you want. Just got to work through my notes here. Um, it was the first time since I think there were two games in 2009, could have been 2008, where you had four individual goal kickers who kicked four or more. Um, how many times have you seen Brad Hill run back towards the goal square and take a mark running back with the flight of the ball in your forward line? Oh, definitely. It was uh, if something flicked the switch for Brad Hill. He was um, marking everything. Like he, he was outbodying CJ in marking contests and, um, yeah, like you're saying, running back to the flight. So 
I mean, he's, he's maligned a bit by Saints supporters for um, some of the stuff he does, Brad Hill, but you got to pump his tyres up when he has a game like that, like four goals. You know, you, you, he kicked one from the boundary late in the game. And with him and um, Jade Gresham as well, it's uh, pretty exciting for the Saints. I, I think um, Gresham this year has made such a huge difference just to the, um, the outlook of the team. I mean, you'd say on paper, Brad, um, Brad Crouch, Seb Ross, and you know, even Steely's an inside mid midfielder. They don't scream a whole lot of um, outside pace. But with um, Gresham coming back in the team, he, he's starting to turn into that um, that midfielder that you know you would have always hoped he'd sort of um, become. You know, early on his early on his career, just for the, the last two years with um, with injuries as well. Um, also thought uh, Jack Sinclair as well has just taken his game to a whole nother level as well. He's, I think, saw today, he's actually the uh, number ranked two midfielder in the comp at the moment as well. So he's um, really sort of awesome playing in, in, the, uh, in the middle as well and um, just going to hurt the Saints going forward with um, Paddy, Ryder, Paddy Ryder being rubbed out for two weeks as well, which is, hurts a bit. But yeah, oh, that, just they'll when, challenge that. They'll challenge that. Oh, do you reckon he'll? Uh, he'll you're, they like, have you to challenge it. They have to challenge it. Um, he can't get any more weeks to be challenged. So you just you just have to because he, he stopped. He wasn't leaving the ground. He wasn't moving. He braced for contact. Um, at some point, the duty of care goes on to the players who are running around. They're not ready for contact in a contact sport. Like you just have to be ready for it. Um, so they'll challenge yeah. it. And I th I think he'll get off. I mean, you, you look at the replay and it, it's tough because, like, you know, Will Day does get knocked out, but he doesn't get him, to, like, he doesn't really get him in the head. And it's more of a whiplash kind of action as well. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say that, like, the Saints fans would be wanting him to get off because with uh, Ryder and Marshall playing in the same team with just, like, such a different dynamic and outlook on the, on the whole team as well. And Paddy Ryder's, like, tap work is elite as well. You only win, I think, thirty-seven percent of your games with one of them in. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big loss. Um, but no, I, I I think they'll challenge. And look, I expected that peanut Christian to give him a week or two. But um, if you you, you got to watch this, if you, you haven't seen the Ben Brown one, no, I haven't yet. No, you go watch that. You go watch Paddy Ryder. You tell me what's worse. They both got two weeks. Um, listeners out there, please go and do this. Uh, I so, so I asked you about Brad Hill going back with the flight and then you went off on a tangent. So there is some of your brother in you. Um, <laughs> my point about that was yeah, <laughs> what could go right for the Saints did go right. Like he, he's never done that in junior level, run back with the flight and taken a mark near the goal square, let alone at AFL level. And he did it. It just, everything went right. You have those days. Um, Hawthorne are the team I thought they were based on this result. Um it's only one week they can bounce back, but I've, I've had them for the spoon and I don't think they're that good. Um, I think where the Saints really managed to expose them was you got Max King and Tim Memory. They're sort of your two key forwards, but then you float Paddy Ryder or Roel Marshall down forward. Hawks have got two great defenders in CJ and Sicily, but they're able to hold up against, say, North Melbourne or against even against Carlton. Like, you know, you had um, Mackay or Kurnow, but what else they sort of managed to find a way to work through that uh the saints you had those two guys but then you had gresham running down hill was creating havoc off half forward um it was 
you just managed to stretch that defense so far and winning it out of the middle just put excess pressure on and, and they just caved like like the damn wall had broken. Um, the Saints score, and let me let me just go back to my uh, my fixture here, Sam. The Saints score, you had 75 points at halftime. That's as many as North scored, more than Hawthorne scored for the game. I'm talking game results. More than Carlton scored for the game, more than the Giants scored for the game, more than the Dogs, more than the Pies, more than the Lions, more than the Demons, more than Port Adelaide. You had more than all those Jeez. teams at halftime of your game. So it was just, it was on for the Saints. Um, high distinction for the Saints. You cannot grade that any lower. It was just, it, well, everything went right. All things were blazing St Kilda. Um, this is the challenge now. And, and this is um, probably been one, one of my criticisms of the Saints for the last couple of years. You look great when things are going well and the ball's coming in hot and memory can get a run and a jump and, and Max King can, but... When things don't go your way, who's standing up and what's the change? So it was great, but when teams are standing up against you, how's that going to pan out? Um, we'll see what the Suns do. It's still in their first five weeks, so they're, they're a chance to play well. The Hawks are off to the coordinator for me. They're, they wanted some respect on their name. I got a letter personally from Jeff saying, put some respect on the Hawks name. Um, I gave it to them, thought they were a chance in this and they got blown out of the park and at the bottom four side, I thought they were. And I'm, I'm really confident in saying that for the rest of the year. So coordinator for me, uh, I'll let you, I'll let you go. I know, I know what the saints are getting and it's well-deserved. Well, I reckon for this one sauce, I almost need a, a new grading system as well to, to bump above slightly above HD, maybe some sort of, uh, yeah, award at the end of the year, but um, no, yeah, had to give the Saints a, an HD, you know, that big of a performance. And like you're saying as well, like a couple of years ago, we, we weren't really able to really kick a score above uh, 100 points or even 80 points in the end. So to really sort of almost do that by halftime was a, a huge effort as well. And um, for the Hawks, I've actually just given them a fail, I reckon, for this one. They're still a pretty young team, kind of running out of steam. And I actually thought, yeah, in the first half, they were pretty competitive, just couldn't really kick straight. I mean, you had um, Mitch Lewis as well as their big key forward as well, kicked three goals, five. So, you know, you swing that around as well. He could have actually had a fair day as well. He was looking um, like their only sort of threat up forward as well. So um, not not all bad for the Hawks, but, you know, it's a pretty pretty tough day when it really should have been beyond 80 points as well in the end there for the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of late ones for the Hawks. Um, I love it. Love a good grading of a Saints game. There's nothing better. <laughs> the final game, final game, Sunday for, I think this was an early Sunday, 4.10. So I think it was yeah, done for um, the Queensland news because they would be an hour behind. So three to six, but um, I, I, yeah, I'll scratch my head at a lot of the times these games are starting to start. But Anyway, the Suns hosted the Blues, who we mentioned the Blues are a little bit of a had a little problem with the Suns over the years, bit of a bogey side. Don't like Metricon. Um, and the Suns, Carlton got a couple early, but from there it was a lot of one-way traffic. The Suns sort of had them well in control. Uh, and it was a pretty lackluster last quarter with the Suns eventually running out 30 point victors uh how, how did you see this sorry you probably didn't see much because you were too busy watching a saints replay or 
traveling back from the game, which that's understandable. That was, that was huge. <laughs> um, the Suns were just all over them, and and Paddy Cripps was subbed out with a hamstring query. Still, th- they still think he might play this week against Port, which would be amazing. But oh, really? Okay, yeah. Um, he's, I think this is sort of the problem with Carlton. They were due a down week. Um, Cripps gets hurt. Um, they've sat on Cripps's back for far too long. They need someone else to stand up, and and they just weren't able to rest the tide back. But I think there's, there's more credit to the Suns than just saying Carlton were down. The Suns sort of kept them down, and the Suns found a way to to kick enough goals and and keep, shut the Blues down. Yeah, bit of with a bit of a weird game this one in the end. Like the the Blues were looking hot early as well. Went back and yeah, looked at the highlights, and yeah, like you're saying, they kicked two goals in I think almost the first minute of the game, and looked like they were in for a big day as well. But once yeah, Paddy Cripps went down as well. It sort of falls through the other midfielders and. That's been a bit with the um the Blues this year is they just they've been getting the job done in the midfield. So when that wasn't really firing, they didn't really have too much else to fall back on as well. And I just look just reckon as well like Sammy Walsh um doesn't look quite right for me as well. He's doesn't have that same sort of um zip and sort of tenacity around the ball. Reckon that sort of um syndesmosis, I think it was injury before the year, still kind of hampering him a bit. And um the Suns just yeah, really sort of turned it on today. I mean Noah Anderson looks like he's going to be um, an absolute yeah. star as well. I mean, Matty Rao gets a lot of plaudits as well as having such a good start to his career. But Noah Anderson has turned in like a lot of good quality games as well and has that real sort of X factor for the Suns. Um, and yeah, like like we we're sort of saying as well, the Suns are a little bit of the Blues bogey team as well and really needed to respond after the, a pretty lackluster game last week against the Giants as well. Good to see... Um, Jack Lacocious, Jack even though he didn't kick any goals, seemed to be getting involved in a lot of um, forward half um, plays as well. And the Suns just want the ball in his hand as well, kicking in. He's just such a like reliable um, and penetrating kick into the 50 as well. So if he can sort of get his numbers up as well, it'll really help the Suns go forward in the next few rounds as well. Um, but yeah, like, like we're sort of saying with the Suns, there's a bit of a tricky one because um they've been so good at the start of the year for you know the last sort of four or five years as well so it really comes down to like rounds like six to 14 when the sun when we'll actually really be able to say if like any a, a win like this with the suns would mean anything like they just need to put these kind of efforts um uh on a more consistent basis as well and um yeah it'll be interesting to see how they go this week against the saints yeah, yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, the Suns just need to keep backing it up for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks, and and they'll be around where they potentially could be in in the hunt for the eight. But I I'm not going to believe in the Suns till I see it. Um, full credit to them winning here, but they need to go a little bit further past the first month or two of the season. Um, do you still see um, the Blues? making finals like from here or um yep you know dancing back from an from an effort like this yep yep i do i mean they got the winless port that'll be that'll be a test because port are going to come out desperate um but no i i had carton in the eight start of the year i've still got them in the eight they vossi vossi's given them this level of ruthlessness that 
he's not going to accept this sort of loss and he's going to have them firing and they're going to come out ready next week. Um, but they're, they're building the blues and yeah, I'm, I'm very keen on what they're doing. They're, they're one of the more watchable teams in the competition from a neutral point of view. You know, you've got Kurnow and Mackay up forward, um, Walsh, Cripps, they can move the ball quickly from back half to front half. So uh, I, I fully believe a big believer in what they're doing. Um, they just a little bit of the way Cripps was going was probably not sustainable. So they need some others to sort of step up and bear the load, but uh, three and one, Sam, I'd probably have to tell you if you're three and one, you're sitting pretty at this point, you're ready to build a year where you can go in and play a final. And we've got three, is it three, four, currently four teams in the eight that were not in the eight last year. So a little yeah, bit delightful for yeah. those fans. Um, in terms of the grades, I'm giving the Suns a HD because they've taken the beaten the red hot team um, in a game where people probably didn't expect them to win. I look had it as a danger game, but didn't think the Suns were going to do it. Um, the Blues are getting a fail; they allowed a down week, but you don't want to drop it to the winless Port Adelaide next week. Otherwise, the questions start to be asked. Uh, the thought creeps into the players' minds. Well did we just sort of come out hot? We played some teams at the right time. Are we not like good luck? Um, they need to sort of arrest the momentum back for their season and, and get a big win. So I'm giving the Blues a fail. How did you grade it? Yeah, pretty similar to you, Bessos. Um Gave the, the Blues a fail there as well, just because if they do want to be uh, top pushing for top four and making finals, these are the games that not even just to win, just to be a bit more competitive towards the end of it as well like like you're saying that last quarter was a bit of a blowout and a bit of um uh junk time footy towards the end as well they they didn't really make much of a run of it after um the third quarter as well but reckon to the suns yeah you've got to give them an hd backs to the wall big performance as well and just um a player to watch for the suns i reckon going forward is um alex davies as well he's um first year player for them as well who sort of probably had his best game and looks like he's sort of um, going from strength to strength as well. So one to one to watch for the future for the Suns there as well. Player out of their, uh, their academy as well. Uh, basketball background as well. Looks, looks a player. Yeah, no, it's uh, exciting, exciting times on, <laughs> on the Suns. Um, I'm starting to come around to Stewie Jew should keep his job. Oh yeah. You reckon? I just so Clarkson would be the only reason I'd get rid of him, and I don't think they'll yeah. get Clarkson. Um, Spectre of Clarkson, yeah. I just think you, I'd give him another year unless he's a real obvious candidate, just to just to actually keep going and keep building and get Ben King back in that side. Um, it might sound crazy because he doesn't have a great winning record, but no one does coaching this club, so. Yeah, they got rid of Bluey McKenna far too early to bring in Rodney Aid, and that just backfired. So um, uh, it, it's crazy to think that um, Guy McKenna is the, the Suns' most successful coach ever, and you know he, he, you don't really re- remember him as a successful coach. So doesn't yeah say too much as well there. But yeah, definitely can see that with Stewie Jew. I mean, he was handed a list that was pretty much at, at the absolute bottom as well. They got all these high draft picks in and. You know, you're starting to see some pretty good performances as well. And you throw Ben King back into this team as well. And they instantly probably become uh, a four or five goal better team, you know, on average across the year as well. So, yeah, I reckon Dewey would probably be 
um, you know, due an extra couple more years as well. So, yeah, if they keep having performances like this, it will definitely be, um, you know, keeping his job at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep a keen eye on that because uh, I don't think Clarkson's going to come out for the Suns. So I, I don't know what they do. I don't know where they go. Um, I think that might just about do us, Sam. Any, any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave the listeners? Uh, yeah, well, just um, reckon for, for like for this round as well. It's um, sort of you can see that the um, sort of early season um, high scoring footy sort of starts to kind of pull back around this time of the year. So it'll be interesting to see um, in the next few rounds as well if that kind of trend continues or if the sort of high scoring footy that we have seen early in the year continues as well. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty sure that happened last year. It really dropped off after the first four weeks. So I'd, I'd certainly like to see it stay around because it's much more exciting when they're kicking goals. I can't handle many more games like that Melbourne Port Adelaide game. That was not that was not fun. Yeah, Jules, who, who do we have on um on Thursday night this week as well? Hope, Brisbane Collingwood. That'll be that'll be fireworks. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fireworks. So highs that uh, for redemption. Yeah, oh, they've just got they've got a win, Collingwood. They don't want to start losing. They'll be three in a row. That will be three in a row if they drop that. Uh, anyway, that will wrap us up. Thank you so much for joining us, Sam. I've had a pleasure. It's still Saints positivity, but not over the top, which is <laughs> which is just just refreshing. And I'm glad it's awesome. Uh, more than welcome back later in the year. Maybe you can give us a mock draft uh, later down the track. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening. And uh, I'm going to bring it back. Good luck to whoever's playing the bombers.